Good evening. Welcome to Tom's World Language Cafe coming you th- coming to you through the iTunes podcast. We're happy that you're with us and tonight and whenever you happen to listen to the show, it's going to be on- online for you to listen to whenever and do subscribe to the iTunes podcast that we have. It's Tom's World Language Cafe. Uh, it's uh, Wednesday, March 6, 8.30 p.m. here in Fishers, Indiana, no- on the north uh, side of uh, Indianapolis, Indiana. And we also um, want you to know that it is cold here, like it was 8 degrees this morning, and it's March the 6th, so we can't wait till it warms up, and it's very, very cold. And uh, tonight we have as our guest uh, coming you, to you live from Seattle, Washington, Janice Lehman. Janice is one of the top middle school uh, Spanish teachers in the state of Washington and Seattle, and we're delighted that she um, decided she would be on our show and accepted, and, and we're honored that she's going to be here. And so uh, stay tuned. It's going to be a fun show. Uh, Janice, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. So um, tell the uh, audience a little bit about um, your present job, your school, your classes, how that's going. I teach at a middle school that has 6th, 7th, and 8th graders, Um, I currently teach all of the 8th grade Spanish classes at my school, and I teach a couple sections of 6th grade Spanish to get kids um, started with Spanish and interested in the program. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's what I teach this year. Now, so uh, you're out in Seattle, right? Um, And uh, what is the, the name of your school is what now? It's called Whitman Middle School, Whitman and it's Middle part school. of Seattle Public Schools. Okay. And we're in the northwest region of Seattle. Okay. Uh, how about your family? I have a husband, and I also have two kids. One of my kids is at my middle school. I feel fortunate to be able to work where my daughter goes to school. And then I have a daughter who's in fifth grade at the elementary school right now, but then will be coming up to my school next year. And you're going to have your daughter in school, in class, right? Yes. In Spanish <laughs> class. That'll be yes. fun. That Hopefully will be awesome. Fun. Yes, that will be great fun. Um, so um, tell the audience a little bit about how you got interested in teaching Spanish. Why did you want to become a Spanish teacher? I did not know that I wanted to be a Spanish teacher at first. I actually started college in the pre-med program, and I quickly found out that chemistry and calculus were not my forte, and it just really wasn't my passion, and I felt like, oh, I can't do this. And I thought about, well, what would I want to do? And so halfway through my freshman year, I um, decided that I was going to take a big leap to become an exchange student the next year because I'd always had that passion in my high school Spanish classes. Um, My family had hosted an exchange student from Costa Rica, and I thought, I want to do what she's doing someday. And I also knew that I, I always really enjoyed my Spanish classes in high school and middle school too, Um, but I had a really good high school teacher who really inspired me, the same teacher all four years in high school. 
And I thought, you know, Spanish is something that I've always been really good at and um, has just um, given me a lot of passion. So I'm going to, we'll see where this takes me. And I didn't know that I was going to become a teacher necessarily. I um, can, I um, got a minor in business thinking, well, maybe I will just use my Spanish out in the business world, not necessarily um, have to use Spanish, my Spanish major to teach it. But it evolved and um, <laughs> did some volunteering. Actually, at a middle school, I, I um, did a kind of like internship while I was an undergraduate in a middle school. And um, I uh, it, it ended up just how where I ended up because that was my passion. Now, so where were you in the exchange thing again? Um, my sophomore year as an undergrad, I went to Ecuador. Ecuador, oh, beautiful country. What did yeah. you like best about Ecuador? My answer would probably be the same for a lot of the places I visit in Latin America, maybe all the places I visit in Latin America, that the people. Um, just I feel like when I'm traveling in Latin America, the people are just so friendly and um, they're not so wrapped up in materialism as Americans, at least from my perspective on the outside. I know it's not everybody speaking about a stereotype, but um, their happiness and the way they overcome things and just what's important to them just always inspires me. And they're they always they're so friendly to um, foreigners. So. Um, uh, yeah, the people. I love the people of Ecuador <laughs> and Latin America. Now, uh, can you? What about your visit to Cuba? Now that mm-hmm. was that was a good good trip. I know that was a good trip, right? Yes, uh, of course it was. I have to tell everybody. Janice was uh, on our Aventura Cultural program this past summer in Havana, Cuba. One of our yeah. outstanding participants, day after day. And in the heat, and it was very warm there. It was hot there. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to remember. It was about 104 or 5, I think, about every day. But uh, uh, did it, Janice did a great, great job there and, uh, of assimilating the Cuban culture and participating and sharing ideas with other teachers and, and all of us. And um, just, you just did a great job. You really did. Super job. No, you really did. And just beautiful. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, so what about uh, when you study, where did you study Spanish? What college was it? University of Oregon. Oregon, okay. And then, so um, um, you, are, you, are you originally from Seattle? No, I am from the Portland area. Oh, I grew okay, up, you grew I grew up, up in Portland. Portland okay. And um, I taught for eight years at a middle school in the Portland area. And then um, I ended up marrying my husband, who lived in Seattle and still lives in Seattle. So um, we were um, doing a long-distance relationship. And so um, then when we got married, I moved up to Seattle. So um, I remember being in Portland. I was there one time at their language conference. And then uh, it was the, the dual conference because it was in Portland. But the Washington people came, the state of Washington. They still do that, right? I believe. Yes. 
it's every other year. So so wonderful um, conference. It's always in October. Um, so this past year, it was um, it was in Portland, and it was between Washington and Oregon. So now this next year, Oregon will have a separate one, and Washington will have a separate one. So. Yeah, it's it's an outstanding conference. I remember that. There were quite a few people. It was was a big crowd and a wonderful group of teachers, just really Mm -hmm. creative group. Um, Yes. So on that same topic, Mm -hmm. I know you go to a lot of language conferences, and which is your all-time favorite conference you attended? Well, it would be the ones that you're referring to, um, Waffled, my organization, Washington Association of um, the Language Teachers. Um, just, I, I don't know how I would pinpoint one of them. I've been going every year for the last few years, and um, it's just so inspiring. Um, there's so many teachers that are just actively pursuing what are the best practices for teaching world languages. And I started teaching 20 years ago. And so uh, things have really, really changed. And um, you know, people say teaching gets easier the more years you teach because you just like built, build on what you do before. But I'm constantly, constantly changing, but it's exciting um, just learning from one another and learning as research occurs. Yeah. And, 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 um, and I, and I, yeah, I want to stop for a second and, and go back to a word you just used, and that is change, because um, I don't know how you feel about the idea of change. I always felt like if, if you don't change, it's teaching wouldn't be fun, right? I mean, it, it's yeah. it's what makes it fun, right? That you can change and, and you're willing to change and you do new things and and always be open to new ideas. And and I think what you just said is a good lesson for t- if uh, we have some young teachers listening who are just starting out or maybe people who are going to be teachers, uh, that uh, one of the things that really helps a lot when you're uh, teaching is the idea of accepting change and that that we know that we're going to change and the, that you have to change or you're you're kind of going to get left behind because there's so many things yeah. that happen and new methods and new strategies. And uh, so uh, the, I'm glad you brought that up, the change factor, because, and I know, uh, I think we talked about the, the, that quite a bit last summer, uh, some uh, about changing and, yeah. and trying new strategies and, 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 and being um, a risk taker, right? And uh, mm-hmm. something uh, all good teachers, I think, are, are really good teachers are risk takers. And, uh, the, and that really is good. Um, so here we are today, right? And we, we're, we talk about the World Language Classroom in 2019. Um, what do you find is the best thing going on in the language classroom today? And what part of it could be improved in the teaching? For me, the it would be a comprehensible input that um, teachers are moving toward um, teaching in a way that strives for proficiency instead of memorization of vocabulary, memorization of grammar rules. 
I do still teach units in which I tell kids, like, okay, we're going to take some notes in the verb charts, like, here, like, today we're working on stem-changing verbs, E to I, E. We'll do a little bit of that, but then mixed in with that, um, we're working on songs that tell stories and then applying those stories to the own to kids' lives. And um, it's that challenge of how to make class comprehensible um, and important to the students and involve them. Mm-hmm. Now, so um, the comprehensible input then is um, pretty much the teacher doing as much as they can in the language, right? In Spanish and keeping the ball rolling and and uh, giving some new words here and there and trying to use ones that, that they're dealing with now. Uh, is that pretty much correct, I think? Sure, and yes. Then you, comprehensible and... input is trying to stay in the target language mm-hmm. um, at least like 90%. Um, it's also making sure that the text that you present to your students or the verbal input that you're giving them is at least 80% comprehensible um yeah it's also using it's using a lot of stories and there are a lot of um resources out there now um the teaching proficiency through reading and storytelling um now they've there's a company called that and they've changed to um fluency matters um there's um, yeah there's Go ahead. There's a tremendous amount of companies all of a sudden, right? They oh, yeah. kind of sure. popped yeah, up. Lots, and, lots of resources, yes. but I, and I have a couple that um, I've um, really been having some success with. Uh-huh. And, um, Good. Really enjoying, but it centers around telling students a story, and I like to I like the ones that incorporate music too. I, I love using music in my classroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, music is wonderful. I'm glad. Glad you said that too. Music is is very special, and it, it, it has a huge place in the classroom. It, it really does, as you mentioned beautifully. Um, now, let's talk about uh, middle school teaching. What are some of the challenge of, challenges of middle school teaching? Uh, there are, are teachers that sometimes do middle school, then do high school, right? And then there's some that just do high school and never do middle school. And I always felt like it, it almost should be required that you kind of start in middle school, right? At least get some middle school teaching before you get to high school. But uh, some people don't do that, and they just go right to high school. Um, mm-hmm. But what are the challenges? Um, I think I mentioned this to you last summer that I I spent nine years in middle school before I went to high school, and I mm-hmm. loved it, and uh, I had some of the most fun times in my teaching career, and. Uh, What's what makes it so special? <laughs> yeah, I love the middle school age. I've taught all the ages. Um, for a period of time, I taught Spanish at two different private schools, and I was the only Spanish teacher at those schools. So I taught Spanish to pre-K students through eighth grade. And then um, I was a middle school teacher at first, but then when I moved to Seattle, I decided I wanted to try out high school. And when I did high school for one year, I just 
felt like a fish out of water. It, it wasn't a good fit for me. Maybe if I spent more time at it, I would adapt better. But what I love the most about middle school that it's kind of a, it's taking the best things about elementary and high school and kind of combining them together. Elementary schools are so, elementary school kids are so enthusiastic. They are so eager to learn. And I find that it is also that way in middle school, whereas high school, sometimes they're like, eh, we're too cool for this. Uh, we don't want to look foolish in front of our friends. No, I don't want to do this. Um, but yet, my middle school students, I can have somewhat mature conversations with them, um, whereas elementary school kids, you can't really use sarcasm with them or talk about some some subjects that would be over their heads kind of thing. So with middle school, I just feel like it's a perfect fit in the middle. And it's a challenge because they are trying to figure out who they, who they are. They're changing so rapidly at that age. Um, and they just really need uh, positive role models in their lives. And um, I just, I, I like that challenge of, being there for them when they're going through a hard time in their lives. So what do you do to have fun with the kids? I know <laughs> that's a big thing. I always talk, we always talk about that. How do you, you know, what, what do you find are the, the most fun things to do with games, for example? Mm -hmm. What are the fun games? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, students will always tell me when I give them a feedback form of, like, what are some things that you like most in class? Consistently, they tell me different games. They tell me that they like the music. Um, they like the cultural things that I incorporate into the class. Um, I always fit in cooking. Um, like, I'm to um, be able to have some money each year to be able to buy cooking supplies. We make tortillas by hand and make them into quesadillas. I have some griddles that we plug in. They, they always say they love that. They love Oh, I bet so. That's great. They love doing yeah. food. Anything related to food, of course, they love. Like, I bring in things for them to try that are representative of things that you would find in Spanish-speaking countries, but yet probably they haven't tried in the U.S. Um, they, they love doing crafts, arts and crafts kinds of things. Um, I usually make calaveras de azúcar, sugar skulls, during um, Day of the Dead time. And this year, we went all out. So we made sugar skulls, we made paper flowers, and we made shadow boxes out of um, shoe boxes to represent someone who had passed away. And I was just amazed by what the kids put together. And um, we did use Spanish. We used, um, so we, they had to do some presentational writing because um, they had to write about the person that they chose. So um, all of those things, I would say, oh, the other thing that kids really enjoy is making videos. Um, and some kids really like doing skits and other kids say, um, no, because they don't like, they're not comfortable getting up in front of the class. But recently, um, there's really been an increase in kids, serious issues with, um, anxiety. I know just in the world or in our country, anxiety is on the rise. And 
I haven't done it in the past, but recently I've allowed students to be able to come do their skit for me privately and not have to present it in right, class. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. That's a so good thing. It's a good, like, yeah. In general, they love being able to do group projects. Yeah, it's a good thing to, to think about that. So that's a very good point uh, with the skits. If, if they have an option, you know, if, if, if they can't, don't want to do that uh, in front of the class. I was very interested in this, this paper that you give them. It's a feedback sheet or something, right? You called it? Oh, yeah. I was just thinking about how at the end of the semester, which uh, wasn't... Uh, my, 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 just for the people listening, it, it, it's a great idea. So how does the feedback... Uh, well, you, you get their feedback, right? As to yeah. things. When do you do that? What they, um, at the end of the semester, which wasn't too long ago for us, uh-huh. it was the last day in January, um, just when they were done taking a test on the back side of it, I asked them some questions to reflect upon their own learning, um, but also reflect upon how I'm doing as a teacher for them. So they had a chance to give me any um, comments, complaints. <laughs> okay. Or anything they wanted to tell me, um, and I asked them specific questions. That 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 is a great communication tool, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And sometimes I think in the teaching profession, uh, there isn't enough known or studied about maybe uh, on that topic. You know, the communication that goes on, and how can we make it better? And I think that's certainly a great idea, uh, and especially for the people that don't want to be um, verbal about it, right? And they can write down their yes. thoughts and things, and mm-hmm. it's a, a wonderful idea. Um, now, let's um, continue on here about uh, visiting places. Where's your favorite place to visit in the United States? My family is um, a big boating family. We own a boat that is in Anacortes, Washington. It's about an hour, hour and a half away from Seattle, up north. And we have a huge system of islands. And so we're able to boat all around. And that system of islands connects into Canada. Um, I don't know, maybe some listeners are familiar with Victoria, Canada. It's it, That's um, the biggest place, not the biggest island out there. But So there's a huge system of islands that are part U.S., part Canada. And we just love being able to travel around um, on our boat. And it's um, a way to really get away from lots and lots of people. Uh-huh. I, li- I live in the big city, and I like the city. I can um, walk to lots of places. But it's also nice to just get out into remoteness and uh-huh. just be in nature. <laughs> now, um, so um, that um, switching places, what about the world? Where's your favorite place in the world to visit? I was thinking about how it would be hard to name any, uh, like, how do I pick out of all the places that I've been? But I think my answer would be the Caribbean, just the Caribbean uh-huh. in general. Um, I've been to all of the Spanish-speaking countries in um, the Caribbean, and then I've also just been on some cruises where I've stopped in at different places. And I just love the liveliness of the Caribbean people. 
and their friendliness and everything's so colorful and their music just is so upbeat and I like the warmth. Okay. <laughs> that that is, and they're, they're like you said, the music is just astounding in the Caribe. It's just wonderful. What about the use of technology in the classroom? Where are we headed with that? Is it um, oh, is it are we going to end up all tech in the classroom? Are we going to still have some live stuff, or what's going to happen? Ah, it's interesting. My school this year has implemented a strict no cell phone policy, um, and it's really made a difference in just less distractions in the classroom. Does that mean um, they can't come? They can't bring them to school at all. So um, we can still use them in the classroom, but it's only for very specific activities. Okay. So um, if I want my students to play a Kahoot or I want them to do this website called Senor Wooly that we do, uh-huh. uh, they can. They usually ask me, like, can I, can I do it on my cell phone? But sometimes... For particular students, I will tell them, no, you can't use your cell phone because it's too much of a distraction. You need to take one of these iPads that's in this cart. My school has laptop carts and iPad carts that I can bring into my classroom. Uh-huh. Um, so um, I do use a lot of technology in the classroom, but it's just I can't keep up. I, and I'm sure everyone <laughs> feels that way. It is. But it's astounding. I, I'm isn't it? Yes. But then it's like, oh my gosh, I can't keep up with the next thing. And um, the, the, it's just the possibilities are endless in the classroom yeah, with technology. Yeah. Now, what percentage of classroom time do you think should be devoted to technology? Out of 100%, I mean, on an average, what do you think per day? Mm, oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm going to throw out... It would be depend on depend on the day what the kids are doing, but overall maybe no more than twenty five percent, twenty percent. I don't know. Just overall, like classroom time versus we need to have that authentic interaction. Yes, and, yes. Um, I mean, we can have authentic interaction online if we're on Skype or using some kind of program, but um, yes. I, I, I like that. That sounds like a great mix, you know, to, to do that, um, where, you know, you, there's still a lot of verbal communication going on live, right? Live. Yes. yes that's very important. Um, so what would you, how would you advise a young world language teacher just starting out? I mean, if you had to give them some tips, what would you tell them? To connect with other people that are in your profession. You may not have somebody at your school who teaches the same thing as you, but especially with technology, there are many um, social media groups that you can join. Daily in my Facebook feed, I um, read things that other teachers are posting, other Spanish teachers, and then I comment back and we share ideas. I've gotten so many ideas from other people. And when I have a question, I put a question out there, how to do something, best practices, and I get now, lots of ideas what back. Are, what are your favorite spots that you visit that, that you would recommend? 
Well, I use some um, a Facebook page called um, Woology. It's for senior Woolly teachers. Uh-huh. Um, that's an online curriculum. And um, I recently subscribed to the desk list classroom. I do have desks in my classroom, but to me, it's a fascinating concept. And I'm trying to wrap my, my mind around mm-hmm. making that jump to possibly not having desks in my classroom. Um, just uh, maybe some portable tables that we bring in sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, And then I also belong to a group for CI, Comprehensible uh-huh. Input. So okay. Those are just a few that I can think of. Yeah, and it's it like you said, it's so easy today to get ideas, you know, quickly, you know, mm-hmm. which we couldn't do in the past. But it makes it a lot easier, you know, to get the ideas and to continue and get some good things going quickly. Um, yes. What about a favorite story that you tell your students? I know you probably have ten or twenty of those, but you can only tell one, right? <sighs> well. I usually talk about my family. I usually wrap my family into stories that I tell or stories involving trips that I've taken to Spanish-speaking countries. Um, Maybe I'll just have to say, um, I told this story recently to all my classes. We were talking about museums and they wondered why El Museo de Antropología, the Museum of Anthropology was in the textbook. And I said, well, that's because in Mexico City, the most or one of the most important museums is the Museum of Anthropology. And I had to tell them how when I took a group of students there, we actually unfortunately got kicked out of the museum because <laughs> my students, my student could not get the flash on her camera to to, to Stop. Yeah. stay off. And we were trying to look at the the Aztec calendar um, and the Aztec calendar happens to be on the front of the textbook. So I was talking about that image and it's like, um, I don't know. It's just a funny story. Yes, it is. A, like, just funny stories. Yes. Like, I think for my students, what? My teacher got kicked out of the museum? <laughs> no way. <laughs> so what about um, classroom management? Do, do you have any things that you do that are pretty really reliable strategies that you use often or or does it is it just fairly easy it comes easy to to you teaching uh, it's not always easy and i think it varies year to year and uh, and um class to class um in general i think that the best strategy for management is building a relationship with your students if they know that you are interested in them and you know and um, and there's that respect built, then they're going to want to work hard for you. Um, and I think kids look forward to taking my class because I do make it fun. I make it interesting. They know that um, they're going to learn Spanish. They hear other students say what good of a time they have in my class and um, so, so again, if they respect us, then they work well. But then, uh, well, did you want to ask a question? Anyway, it, it, it comes again back to the point of communication, right? I mean, yes. this, this communication with the kids. It's so important uh, to get the rapport we want and, mm-hmm. and uh, the learning process. Is, 
the, the communication that the teacher has with the students. Um, so what if the student doesn't do what he's asked to do or whatever? What happens then? Well, the other thing I wanted to say is also just um, being organized and having a certain procedures in place and certain structure to your class. Um, I throw in crazy things once in a while, you know, and well, all the time, fun things. But there is a general structure to my class, and so they know what to expect. And um, I have clear expectations written on my board of what our goal is for the day and what's due coming up and what our agenda is for the day. And um, so I think that if you're clear with the kids what your expectations are, then they're, least, they're less likely to act up. Uh, what what are your fa- what are your favorite um, what are your favorite games? Um, oh, okay, <laughs> favorite games. Um, well, recently I discovered the running dictation game, which if you just Google that, you will find other language teachers that um, use different variations of that and my students really loved it Mm -hmm. it's basically uh when we have done a story Mm -hmm. it's a retelling of the story but um you take the summary of the story and you break it up into pieces and you post it somewhere in um ideally like out in the hallway um so they have to run out in the hallway and they try to remember as much as they can to then run back into the room to then say as much as they can remember to another person in their group. Uh And then that other person in their group writes out as much as they can hear on a whiteboard. And then it's somebody else's job in the group to draw what is being told and what they're seeing as well. And um, so there are different ways to do it, but my kids really loved it. Yes. Um, Nice. Very nice. That's uh Again, there's, as you said, there's so many things available, right? You can, uh, in a, a word of advice to the young teachers is to really do as much of the creative things as you can, right? The creative mm-hmm. process and using your creativity to, uh, to teach. Um, what kind of creative things, do, do you just kind of do things off the cuff without even planning? No, no, yeah. I'm a very organized person. <laughs> All right. I'm very much a planner, so All I'm right. not a teacher All that right. just does things off the so, fly. Uh, I mean, maybe a little bit when it's like I've taught a certain unit a whole bunch of times, and so like I'm kind of like, or or I go on a whim of like a direction that my students are taking me, but it it, it wouldn't take us off the path for too long. <laughs> bueno, um, a ver si. Si tuviera que decir algo de, del país de Cuba, lo mejor de La Habana, ¿qué dirías? ¿Cuál es el lugar más interesante en La Habana? Um, el lugar más interesante en La, la Habana. Um, me gustó ver la playa y entrar la, um, el agua. Eh, el agua es muy azul y muy bonito. Y bueno, los lugares. Um, ¿Te gustó la fábrica del arte, verdad? Uh, 
pero sí, me gustó ver um, la gente cantando, la gente bailando y formas diferentes. Muy bien. Es que, ok. Bueno, uh, we've come to the end of the show here pretty fast, you know. Um, but uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, it was wonderful. And uh, lots of wonderful ideas for the teachers, you know, and especially the new teachers just starting out. And uh, I want to thank you again for sharing your ideas, which are incredible. And uh, as always, and uh, know that you're going to, uh, we will, I'll let you know when uh, the show posts, okay? Okay, and sounds thanks. good. So, uh, um, don't go away because I want to uh, talk to you off offline, uh, off the show here in a second, okay? Uh -huh. All right. It was awesome. And thank you so much for being with us. And have a great day and a, a super fin de semana, okay? Okay. Muchas gracias. And, and, for, and for the oyentes, the listeners, please come and listen again to our next show. Um, and our next show, I believe, uh, coming up in April, we're going to have the president of the Indiana Foreign Language Teachers Association, uh, Israel on the show. Israel is from Colombia, and he, by the way, was uh, named the, the Spanish uh, College Teacher of the Year by AETSP this past year. So he's going to be our guest on our next show, so tune in. Don't miss out. Uh, thank you so much, and, and uh, uh, Janice, and wonderful ideas, and uh, we'll be in touch, okay? Okay. Okay. Gracias, Gracias por todo. Okay, bye. Bye.